120 Outdoors is a monthly podcast that looks at the hunting and fishing opportunities we all have close to home. Join Chris Paula and Don Klaus as they share personal stories, interesting facts, and interview unique outdoor personalities. Hello and welcome to 120 Outdoors, where we talk about how to enjoy the outdoor opportunities we all have close to home. Hi, my name is Chris Paula. And I'm here with my co-host, Don Klaus. And Don, how you doing today? Not too bad, Chris. Uh, I'm liking uh, liking the changes we're getting to see here. A little, yeah. little chill in the air, a little less uh, stifling out there. Yeah, we're transitioning uh, into my favorite time of year. Um, I get to do two of the things I'm really passionate about, and that's steelhead fishing and bow hunting. And um, the one thing about steelhead fishing is that there's so many different ways to catch steelhead. You can use traditional fly rod. You could swing, you know, bait if you want to. You could use artificial baits with, you know, so I've seen guys using spinners and crankbaits. And uh, there's a lot of guys doing drift fishing with center pins and stuff. There's so many different ways to catch steelhead. And on our, on our show today, our special guest is John Breedlove. And John has a very unique way of catching steelhead. And he's not necessarily doing it in the streams either. He's focusing on the harbor areas of the Great Lakes, and he's doing it out of a small boat. And it's a really unique technique, and I've had the opportunity to fish with John a couple times, and it was really cool to see how he he really refined this technique and has had so much success with it. So um, and it, it is, it's something different. And I know, Don, when you and I are out there, we're always in the streams, you know, shoulder to shoulder a lot of times with guys in some places. Uh, we try to get away from that, but uh, it just offers a, another alternative here um, when conditions are tough. Yeah, one of the wraps on, on steelhead fishing is it can get a little bit crowded. Uh, there's only so many streams in those Lake Erie tributaries, and uh, they got to be shared by a lot of people. So it's kind of nice. And uh, what John's got for us is a little way to get away from those streams. It, you said it. I love walking down those streams, yep. like being up against the stream. Yep. But uh, I also like not being uh, pushed. Yeah, pushed much. around. Yeah, pushed around. So John agreed to come on the show here. So let's let's jump right into the interview we had with John, and uh, I think you will find it very interesting. Yeah, I uh, I like his technique. He uh, he fishes from a smaller boat, and that's important to me because I have a smaller boat. That's so right. uh, and we'll be using your boat this year. We're gonna look forward to doing <laughs> that. Right. But uh, but John's gonna share that with you right now. Hey John, uh, welcome to 120 Outdoors. Thank you for having me. No Hi, John. problem. No problem. Hey, John. Um, we uh, we've kind of had a rough year getting started fishing, and we know that that you've had a, a little challenge this year too with uh, with our COVID nineteen year. So we want to start out by asking you uh, a little bit about your personal story with that. Uh, yeah, um, the COVID nineteen kind of got me. I was diagnosed uh, April 1st with it, and uh, the first couple days weren't too bad, but then it kind of got ugly from 7 to 10 days, um, with feeling nauseated, uh, loss of sense, smell, and taste, and uh, headaches, and body aches, and some other issues, but, uh, you know, I finally recovered from it, and I'm doing fine now, and I'm getting out fishing. Wow. That's, that's good. Hey, John, how did you... I know this is kind of crazy, but um, how did you know you had it? I mean, it was just you just felt had the symptoms and went to your family doctor. 
Is that what have to happen? Uh, no, back, if you remember back then, they wanted everybody to, uh, you know, back in March was going to work. Everybody had to take their temperature and check. We're looking for this 100.4 and okay. all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, so every morning I'm taking my temperature. And my temperature is not normally 98.6. I'm normally 97 something. Um, so I took my temperature and I think it was on a Tuesday. I went to work and I'm feeling fine. I come home from work. I get off at 2.30. So I come home and it's probably about maybe... 20 to 5, quarter to 5, and I'm sitting in the chair uh, playing with on the computer, and all of a sudden I just felt really, really, really warm. So I said, you know, go check my temperature. So I went and checked it, and it was 99.8. Huh. You know, and I'm like, you know, and the big number they're always looking for is that 100.4, but I never made it there. I only got to 99.8. So I called work, and uh, she said, you know, don't come to work. And I so I said, okay. And I said, but I'll call my doctor as soon as I'm done talking to you. So I called her and she said, told me to go get tested. So, um, I had the next day, since it was late in the day, I went the next morning, I got tested, but back then things were a little slow. And I think I got tested on a Tuesday and it took until the following week on a Friday to finally get the results back that I was positive. But by the time on that Friday, we got the results. It had already been, you know, running its course and everything else and, and you know there was no denying that i had it okay now were you hospitalized at all no um no there might have been one day that i i was having a little bit of issues and because uh, one of the things is you know they talked about the COVID is you know is you're having breathing issues and, and one of the things is is there isn't so much of a breathing issue it's your lungs are not absorbing oxygen like they're supposed to be so I didn't really have a breathing issue, but I had an issue that I didn't realize. I had a day where I was kind of like out of it. Um, I had gotten up in the morning, and normally, you know, a couple mornings before that, I'd wake up and, you know, I'd feel good for me. Not good, but I felt better for like an hour or so. And then once you start getting up for a little bit, I just felt horrible again. Well, that morning I got up and I just felt horrible right from the beginning. Huh. So I tried to, you know, at least sit on the couch watching TV or whatever, and it was just miserable. So I said, you know what, I'm going to go back to bed. So I don't know how long, I maybe I was an hour or two, I was, you know, finally fell asleep or whatever. But I had woke back up in bed, but I had already been sitting up. I had already got the tissues, blew my nose, and then I realized that's when I woke up. You know, I'm looking at tissues and there's blood in them, and I'm like, oh, geez. that's when I finally, and that's when I realized, hey, I think I got a root, you know, there's a problem today. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> yes. Wow. Yeah. You know, because that's some of the symptoms they don't tell you is when I blow up my nose, there was times a lot of blood come out. There's times where blood clots were coming out. Wow. Um, but that's what woke me up is looking at the tissues in my hand. But I don't remember sitting up. I don't remember getting the tissues. I don't remember anything. I just remember waking up, looking at the tissue in my hand that it had blood in it already. Jeez. You oh, know? man. I've I've heard uh, uh, it seems like a, yeah. a laundry list of symptoms. I, I I haven't heard that one. Yeah, that's terrible. Yikes! Yes, I was actually getting blood clots. It would, there'd be times I you know blow my nose and blood clots would come out. But there was blood coming out all the time. Wow! Um, and it, that kind of you know kind of scared me a little bit. But that day was I would say that was the day I hit bottom. And then the next day I felt you know not a hundred percent better, but I felt better than I had. You know, and it started coming, you know, I started getting better each day, but that was the worst. Wow. And I think that's the day that I, I might have should have went, you know, or called the doctor and said, hey, something's wrong because I'm not, you know, 
very coherent today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, you know, I know April's a way back now, but are do you feel like you're 100% now? Um, I only feel like I've been 100% maybe in the last two weeks. And you're going to say, you know, um, there's a couple other people that I know that have had it, and I've been talking to them, and some of the issues that I said I was having, they've been having. And they kind of thought that, that you know, they thought maybe there was just something else, but then we start putting it together. Um, I don't know if you know Rusty Stacchiotti. Yes, yes. He had it. Well, he was actually diagnosed one day before me. Hmm. And we did. We just talked about three, maybe a little bit more than three weeks ago. And I said, are you having body, you know, like joint issues, body pains? And, and I said, what about your neck? I said, my neck has been stiff since then. I said, you know, i got to back the boat up. I, can bear, I have to turn my whole body. I can't turn. And he looked at me and he says, yes. He says, John, I can actually remember the day. He said when he when he was sick, when I remember, he said because he's a physical therapist. Yeah, yeah. He goes, I can remember laying in bed and feeling my neck getting tighter and tighter while I was laying in bed. Unbelievable. Yikes. But, and then he's having problems with his thumbs, you know. And then there was another gentleman I talked to that uh, he's still having some issues. And one of the things, and, and I think maybe he was he had it like in March, and then you know April he was doing better and whatever. But like I think in June he said he went fishing and he cast his rod and rod and all went in the water, and he just looked at his hands like what happened, you know? He didn't realize that he, you know he wasn't holding on to the rod; it just went in the water. Um, Jeez, oh he's, man! But he's been having issues because well, one thing that made it even worse was is um, he thought he was doing better and he was. But he was out in his yard, and he was picking up sticks. Well, when he stood up real fast, he passed out and hit his head on the ground. Oh, jeez. He ended up going to the hospital with a concussion. Oh, jeez. Oh, 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 man. So he was having headaches for a while from that. But, you know, with the coronavirus, it runs you down. I mean, there was many a times where when I stood up, you know, I had to watch it. You, all of a sudden, you just see, like, stars. You want to go back down. Wow. Well, Because there, there was days... I think one day I ate nothing but an apple all day because you don't want to eat. Yeah. You feel so sick. And then, you know, you either feel like you're going to throw it up or as soon as you eat it, you got to go to the bathroom. Yeah. Know? Oh, I'll tell you. I'm glad you're feeling better, John, seriously. And, and uh, that's one reason why Dawn and I wanted to get you on the show, too. We wanted you to tell your story there about the issues you have with COVID. But the other reason, and we're going to kind of switch and go into what I know what you love to talk about, too. <laughs> is, is getting into your your fishing part here and and the unique technique that you've developed over the years uh, fishing for steelhead on the Great Lakes. So that's what we want to talk about now. Yeah, now that you can hold a rod good, uh, and and especially since the, the leaves are starting to drop, we figured yeah, now's a good time to talk about it. And, and, yes. Uh, but but let's start uh, just a tidbit about um, how how'd you get going fishing and and then maybe. Um, How'd you get into to that particular type of fishing? Um, you know, I started out with a little, as a kid, you know, my dad would take me fishing. And then as I got older, I remember uh, buying a Zepco 202 and a Johnny Walker rod. And um, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's been years. Yeah, I still remember my first rod. But, um, you know, back then, that's when you had the five lakes in the valley. Jerry Blinzy with the, what yes. was the name of that? The, out, the outdoor, was it the outdoor journal? Yes. The outdoor and he journal. used to be on, and he would always be plugging for the five lakes in the valley. Well, you know, living in Girard, I had Liberty Lake and Girard Lake right there. Yeah. So, um, you know, my, 
my, when I was little, my dad would take us there and stuff. And as we got a little older, maybe I was, I don't know, 10 or 11. And, and these are things you could do back there. My brother's three years older than me. My dad would take us in the summertime and drop us off on his way to work because he worked at McDonald Mill at 8 o'clock in the morning. And then he would come by and pick us back up at 4 o'clock in the afternoon on the way home <laughs> from work. You know, it, nowadays it, you couldn't do that with a, you know, with a, 10 and 12 year old or 13 year old. But, yeah, I don't you know. think so. No, it's funny you say that. It's funny you say that, John, because my mother used to do the same thing with me. She'd take me. There's a little lake here in West Austin town called Rock Island. Do you remember that place? Uh -huh. And she would do the yes. same thing. She'd drop me off there in the morning, and then my dad would pick me up on his way home from work. So I'd be out there all day fooling around fishing and stuff. But uh, that, that's something we have in common there. That's pretty funny when you hear that. So. Yeah, we used to go up there, and if you remember the five lakes in the valley, the big thing to catch there was crop. So yeah. they would stop yeah. them every year. You know, and then when we first started fishing, we were always, you know, with a bobber and using a minnow. Well, then, you know, minnows got to be expensive. So then that, that's what actually started going us into, you know, um, into lures and stuff was because, it, you know, you bought them, but you didn't have to keep buying them. Well, you still have to keep buying them. but <laughs> Yeah. <so> we, <laughs> yeah that's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how did you get started with the, the Lake Erie and, and the steelhead fish in there, John, and, and this technique that you're using? And I know you and I had the opportunity to fish together a couple of times and you shared that yes. with me. And I thought it was so unique. That's one reason why we, you know, Dawn and I wanted to have you on the show, too. So take us into, you know, how you discovered that and then talk a little bit about how you refine that technique to where you are today. through now the actual technique now okay what what, what are you doing that's so unique and different
Uh, they're the Akuma Magna Pro 20s. Okay. And I have them on a seven foot uh, graphite series rod from Bass Pro. And, and uh, I'm either using Big Game or Seaguar Floral Carbon Line. Okay. And I haven't, you know, I've been experimenting with the floral and the mono. And the only where I see the difference would be is fishing the lake when the lake is clear enough, you know, in the nice clear water is where the floral, but in the river with the water being you know, more dirtier in the slip area. I don't see the floral making a difference over the over the mono. Okay, so you stick with the you're sticking with the the super braids for your trolling applications. I'm not using the braid. I'm using floral. You're using floral. floral. Okay, okay. I was going to so, so you're not using you're not using super braid in a floral leader. You're using simply floral. And what pound test are you using? I'm using fifteen pound line. Fifteen pound. Okay. I think, you know, I have used some, I've tried braid, and I seem like I lost more fish with the braid because you don't have the stretch. And I think right. because they could, you know, the, the, the braid helps you lose fish because they can pull it tight and it pulls out of their mouth. Whereas when you have the floor or you have the, you know, the mono, you the stretch actually works in your favor. Yeah. Now, John, I, I know you made reference to the streams uh, there in the, uh, the eastern part of Lake Erie, the Ohio and, and Pennsylvania waters. Uh, what uh, what parts of the lake do, do you look for to do do what you do trolling? Uh, usually the lower stretches. Uh, Conneaut, probably the first mile up to the launch ramp. Uh, one nice thing is it's privately owned on both sides, so I don't have to worry about, you know, shore fishermen. Um, and then usually uh, fishing the slip area, and then when the, when the lake is calm enough or the water's clear enough, then I'm fishing the walls. I like fishing the walls. They usually come in and hang out on the walls to start with. They'll usually, probably here in about two or three weeks, they'll start you know showing up at the walls. Okay, that that was my next question. So what are you focusing on now? You're waiting for the first real cold snap for the fish to start to move in. Is that what you're focusing on in September? Yeah, um, okay. Yeah, if we start getting some nice rain and we start getting some colder, you know, colder nights, and that'll start bringing them in. Uh, usually, the number. Usually, I'm looking for Lake Erie's temperature to be somewhere around 70. Okay. You know, when it's up kind of high, then I'm like whatever. But once it starts getting close to 70, then I'll start going. Okay. Uh, do you, Do you know where it is right now for temperature? I don't know what the temperature is right now. I'd heard it was a a warmer than typical year. Uh, for like temperatures. On, yeah, I, on... last time I saw it, um, John, I thought it was mid seventies. It may be a little lower than that now because we've had a couple cold nights now. So you're right. You're probably two, three weeks away from the first, you know, run of the steelhead coming in. Um, yeah. Um, you know, one of the things I um, watch, you know, was watching lately is I've been watching the. I look at Conneaut. I don't know if people go, but you can go on the Conneaut Port Authority website and you can look at the webcams and there's uh like six of them they point out into the harbor and conneaut so you can look out there see if the harbor water is muddy or if the waves are coming over the over the break walls and another thing i've been paying attention to is if you look at the one where the the wall right there where the parking lot is i can see what the level of the water is okay now back in july that water was like maybe two, three feet up on the cement. The ducks could actually just swim over and just start walking. They didn't even have to jump up wow. in the parking lot. Hmm. Wow. So it, yeah, and it has come back down. It's probably come down at least a foot or so since July. 
which is a good thing because um, Ponyard has that swing bridge in it. Yeah. And if it gets yeah, and if it gets too high, I can't get underneath it. I have to launch in the river. You yeah. know, if I want to fish the river, I have to launch in the river. Yeah. Yeah, and I know exactly where you're talking. Okay. Well, you've mentioned that it's about ready to go here, so and I think we're knocking on fall. Uh, you know, you can feel it, and the the calendar says so too. But how how deep into the year do you go, and does that is there any spring opportunity with that technique? There is spring opportunity. I will go until I can't get the boat in the water anymore. Uh, for ice, then. Yes. Yeah, so okay. ice is the only thing that stops me, and actually. I have a good friend, uh, Kurt Bitterhoff. He's a guide out of Conneaut. And, and in fact, last year one day, he even broke the ice. He sent me a message on it, broke the ice in, in, the, in the ramp for you. He says, you can launch tomorrow. I said, thank you. Yeah, I, I remember the time, the one time you took me, John, that we were actually fishing. Uh, there were chunks of ice floating in the harbor when we were in there. Um, but I had a laugh because we were catching fish in between these chunks of ice, and the ice was bouncing off the front of your boat and everything else. But uh, – yeah, yeah, I've been with you, so I know you go through. <laughs> and hey, I've even, at Conneaut, uh, a lot of times we're from the swing bridge to the 90 bend. Sometimes if you get a cool night, you know, you get into December, that will get a skim ice. I've actually gone underneath there, rode through it, go back out and fish the slip or the wall for a while, and then I'll come in there and fish it just to break it up so I can get up there. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Hmm. Now, um, with that technique, uh what are the what are the types of fish you're catching? Um, I mean, I obviously it's steelhead you're after, but uh, do you get any surprises? Uh, um, when we first start out, you can get some surprises. Uh, I've even caught a muskie before up the river. Um, last year, a lot of walleyes were for some reason were stacked up near the launch ramp at Conneaut. They were up in the river, and people were catching them. Uh, it was kind of kind of kept kind of quiet. <laughs> yeah, but uh, they were catch- there were some big walleyes. It was not wasn't like you know it was two three pounders. There were some six and seven pounders that were up in there, and the guys were catching them, and they were doing pretty good. But uh, I've got a muskie in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've caught some other surprising fish in there. How, how about a brown trout? Any brown trout? We we do catch brown trout. Uh, not with any consistency, but we do catch them here and there. They do show up, and we, we, you know, I've caught a couple seven pounders. Wow! Um, you know, we've done pretty good with them. And then, um, you know, come November, the lake trout—they'll come in and they'll interesting. The wow! Conneaut, and they catch them all the way even over to the Grand River. They catch them inside the harbor, Grand River, but they come in in November. From what I understand, they come in to spawn. Is what they're doing. They come in. Usually they'll show up at the the full moon somewhere around the first of November. Huh. I think last year the full moon was like on the 29th was the first one I caught. It was like the 29th of October. Interesting. I think I caught the first one. Interesting. But, uh, now let me. Now you caught a big uh, lake trout last year, didn't you? Yes, he was probably somewhere 12 to 14 pounds. He was a big one. Yeah, that's a big lake trout. That's unbelievable. Now. The question on the brown trout, uh, now that Pennsylvania's stocking those lake run, you know, Ontario browns in there, um, are you seeing more brown trout every year trickling into the um, to Conneaut? Yes, there is There is more consistency of catching them, yes. Okay. okay. Have I come up with a, a plan to catch just specific, you know, to more target them? No, I have not come up with anything yet. 
Uh, it's just, you know, while trolling the steelhead, you catch the browns. I don't. Now, here's the crazy thing I noticed in the river when I'm waiting. Now, I'm, I'm in the wait, river waiting for steelhead, and I noticed I'm catching some, not all the time, but we'll get some brown trout early in the year, October, November, even early December. After that, we don't see any brown trout. We'll catch nothing but steelhead, which are, which are fine. But are you seeing the same thing then? So the, the brown trout that you are catching, is it earlier in the season, or do you see them through the winter and into the spring? been catching them um... – in October, we've been catching actually caught a couple in the river before in October, okay. and then it seems like again uh, in December they'll start you know catching them more frequently. Um, now, as, as far as the spring goes, that's supposed to be their time. But I, you know, the last couple of years I've been bass fishing, so my okay. tournaments start at the beginning of April, so I have to switch out boats and bring the bass boat home. Okay, okay, yeah, that was just interesting because yeah, that's why I was asking because you know Lake Ontario. That's a big spring uh, fishery, that brown trout run. And I have often wondered, now that Pennsylvania's stocking, I forgot how many they're putting in every year, if that's going to develop into a spring fishery. It'll, it'll, I hope it does. That would be pretty cool. Yes. Uh, you know, I know the um, the Romanacs, they, they've done many a show up on Lake Michigan. And I think their magic number is the lake temperature when it gets up to 45 is when they start trolling for the brown trouts in front of the river mouse and stuff. Interesting. Okay, now I'm going to switch gears on you a little bit here too, John. I want to talk, go back talking about your technique again. And I'm, I'm going back to when you and I fished together. That uh, There was one time you and I fished together where we were focusing on the mud line. And I couldn't fish for steelhead in the river because the river was blown up. But you and I were near the break wall and you found some clear water. And it was a, a, a definite seam where you could see the dirty water and the clean water. And we were trolling along that edge. And we got into a bunch of steelhead uh, trolling that. Now, is that what you're looking for? Are you looking for clear water for these fish? What are you exactly looking for when you launch that boat? Uh, one of the things I'm looking for is the first thing I, when i going out the ramp, I'm looking to see if I can see the prop on the motor. That's okay. going to help give me an idea, you know, about if I'm, if I'm going to be trolling the lake, what to look for. If I can't see it and it's cloudy or whatever, then that's going to – I know I have to really, really work – you know, I'm going to have to go with uh, one of the things about steelhead is even though you could be off a little bit on your depth, you know, say you're only running, say your spoon's running eight feet, but he's down at 12 or 13, they're sight fish, you know. Yeah. And he'll yeah. come up and hit it. But once that you get that muddy water, they can't see it. So now i got to be more specific with where my lure's running at. Okay. You know, so so then I have to watch my depth finder and I say, hey, okay, I'm, they're showing up at 10 feet. I need to make sure I get down to 10 feet. Okay, that's why, because you're look, using your electronics. Okay. But, you know, another thing, too, about the steelhead is they don't like sunlight. They will try to avoid it. So, like, the day we were fishing, they like that mud line. That's an ambush line for them. They can get in the mud, yeah. which will cut down the light, but yet stay on that edge. And if anything goes by, you know, they'll come out and get it. Yep, that's exactly what they did. Uh, that's interesting too. Now you, you know, both. Oh, is this, I was going to point out something too. Is that's another thing too? Is is use the walls to your advantage, depending on which where the sun's at. You know, in the morning maybe so, not so much the east wall. Go fish the west wall because you got the shade. You know, then once later in the day, go fish the east wall when the sun's setting. You know. Yeah, that's a good point because I think you mentioned that to me when we were out too. We didn't have to fish the shadows that day because we had that mud line, but you focus on those shadows then from the break wall, depending upon time yes. of day. Okay. Especially on 
do have a, when you have a sunny day, they do not like to be in the sun. I mean, even if I'm trolling in the river, I might even throw a planer board on and throw it towards the, put the planer board towards the side where the trees are making shade and then run that board down along that shade line. Huh. Interesting. Hmm. Now, um, you're using the boards, um, but, uh, and you'd mentioned a, a, a little bit about the baits earlier. Any, uh, any must have a couple of baits you want to point out uh, for us? Um, you know, one of the big things about steelheads, they love KO wobblers and they love little Cleos. Uh, you know, there's your basic colors, your blue and your chrome, your green and your chrome. You know, there's your chartreuse and your oranges. Yep. Okay. Yep. I mean, your basic, you know, because one of the big things that they do feed on is um, the emerald shiner. And if you ever see an emerald shiner and you like have one in your hand and move it around, you'll see he either has like a bluish green look to it. You know, he's bluish or he's green looking, you know, yeah. in chrome. Yeah. Hmm. Now, uh, we know you're trolling. And uh, so we know you're in a boat, but and uh, the size of the boat uh, scares a lot of people away from Erie if they don't have uh, the uh, the right equipment for that. You want to share with us what you got? I know you don't have a whopper that you do this no, with. It's a, my boat is a uh, C-Nymph. It's, a, it's called a BT-175. It's a tiller model. It's only 17 feet long. And, the, you know, it's all carpeted. In the whole inside, you know, you can walk front to back. You don't have to worry about climbing over a seats or anything like that. It's open from front to back. And then on the front of it, I have uh, a must-have. For me, is a Terova iPilot. That is my, oh, that is my favorite thing to play with. There's nothing better than using a remote to run the boat. Yeah, yeah, that is a nice I, electric motor. It really is. Yes, okay. yes. So, uh, no need to be too intimidated then with the waters. Uh. Well, you know, one of the things with steelhead is uh, I'm not, I'm never more than 100, maybe at the most I ever go past the lighthouse is 100 yards at the most, if I go that far. And rarely I ever do that. Hmm. I'm either on one side of the wall, you know, on the west wall or the east wall, depending on which way the wind's blowing, I go try to find the calmer side, you know. Um, and if, if it's too bad or whatever, then there's always the slip. You know, that's one yeah. nice thing about having the, the tiller is I don't have a windshield, so I can go in a slip, and if I don't, you know, I, I don't like you know, the, catching fish in a the slip, then I can always go up the river, which I need to get underneath that swing bridge. Yeah, yeah, that is tight, that swing bridge. Nice, you got you got choices then. Absolutely. You know, being, being able to be versatile or have options when you go there is a, is a big plus. You know, you either can fish the river, you can fish the slip, or you can fish the break walls. And I've, I've fished break walls, and you're catching fish, and all of a sudden it just shuts off, and then you have to find out where they went. They could have went in the slip, or they could have went up the river. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, I have a good friend, and, and he'll bring his boat, and I'll fish out of my boat, and there's times where it does get tough. He'll, I'll say, oh, hey, I'm going to go fish out the east wall. He says, okay, I'll go fish the slip. And whoever catches one, then we call each other. And we work together at it. And we do very well with that. Yeah, that helps. Having a buddy out there, you know, multiply yourself a little, you know. Yes. You know, the, the other question I have for you too, John, there, there's no doubt in my mind that this technique that you're using will work on any of the Great Lakes. Have you? Do you know anybody doing something similar to this in, in your line of business there? I mean, anybody in New York State using it in Lake Ontario or how about Lake Michigan? Have you heard? No, I'm, Usually, like Lake Michigan, the Romanacs, they, they, they're a big 
I do use them, the maglips. Mm -hmm. They're big into the maglips. Okay. Uh, then you have Brad's Wigglers, and they're, you know, kind of, which is a wiggle wart. Mm -hmm. They're big into them. And I do use them, and they do, at times they do catch fish. Um, but I don't really know anybody else doing what I'm doing, because a lot of times, like the rivers up in Michigan, they're big into that back trolling stuff. Or yeah. anchor anchor up from a pool and then just use the like a Brad's wiggler and just keep letting line out into that pool. Yeah, yeah. And back them in. I don't know uh, anybody that's really just trolling for them. They they do different things up there. They do that. Uh, like I said, they they let line out and then they'll back that lure right into that pool and just let it sit there with the current working it. Yeah, there's no doubt in my mind it would work. In, in these other areas that have rivers flowing into a harbor area. You know, Conneaut, Astabula, and Grand River, Chagrin are not unique to the Great Lakes. There's, there's several rivers, obviously, flowing into all the Great Lakes. So I wonder uh, how much of an untapped fishery we have in the Great Lakes with this. Oh, I agree. I, I don't see why. If it's working here, in, in Ohio's uh, steelhead are actually from Michigan. Right. Uh, in, in Wisconsin. So if it's working on the fish that are coming from there, why wouldn't it work on them? there you know yeah yep. just got to find the right water yeah you know and then um like you know when i start out i'll mostly go with spoons and stuff but as i um and we're doing like puppy round i don't know 2.1 2.2 is there is usually my uh favorite speed when the water's in the 70s down to maybe the 50 maybe a little bit into the upper 40s but once we start getting into the lower 40s and i'll drop down to like 1.8 and sometimes that's when I get away from the spoons because the spoons don't have as much action right. as lower speed. So, so then I'll get more into the cranks. And I do use shad rats, and I use um, bay rats. They're called 3.5 shallow. I don't know if you've ever seen them. They're three and a half inches long. No. They work very good. Uh, and I will throw out the Brad Wigglers, the Maglips. Um, and, I, and then depending on, you know, uh, if I'm start seeing the lake trout, if I watching my depth finder, I'm trolling the walls. I may throw out some hot tots, but I've I've trolled you know flicker shads, shad wraps, you name it. I've tried trolling. Um, what else we got here? Uh, you know the the um, the jointed rapalas. All steelhead love them. They love that. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like what you're saying is. Uh... Uh, our folks may already have some of what they need in their tackle box. Uh, yes, they can actually go up there and, and steal it out of their walleye box and use their, yeah. uh, you know, jointed uh, floating Rapalas. But, yeah, there's a lot of things. The flicker sheds, you know, just when you go steelhead fishing, use the brighter colors. Yeah, you know? a great point. Yep. All right, John. Well, hey, um, Chris tells me that you've got uh, some YouTube stuff out there and uh, – worth taking a look so you want to give us a little bit of your contact info and uh, how we might see those yeah if you go on youtube put in john breedlove steelhead um and there's i think there's at least 20 videos on there i even have an underwater camera so there are some underwater videos of steelhead attacking spoons yeah i actually went on there the other night and looked around john you do have quite a few videos on there some good ones too um, I, I was laughing because some of the stuff I remember you and I doing together, you know, um, the, the spoons and stuff. It's pretty cool looking back at that. But, yeah, that, that, that'd be great for our listeners to, to check, check you out on um, YouTube. And then you also have a Facebook page too, correct? Yes. Uh, okay. If anybody wants to – if they interested in wanting to go into steelhead fishing, if you just send me a friend request, you know, 
and then you can look at the content on my page and then when I'm going, I'm posting stuff and I will post what color I'm catching them on or what I'm catching them on. So you can see where I'm at, you know, and what I'm catching them on. Because it, it does change. I mean, there's days where, you know, if I go on a sunny day, there's certain lures that work better on sunny days than they do on cloudy days. Um, I would prefer to be on a cloudy day. I love to be cloudy days in the fall, even a misty rain. I mean, yeah. my best day ever by myself was on Black Friday after Thanksgiving. It was like four years ago. I had 42 fish on and got 35 in by myself. In oh, one day. my. My, oh, my. That's crazy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, we look forward to see what you might uh, put on video here this fall, and we're we're happy you're uh, you're healed up and able to get out there and ply the waters again. So uh, we appreciate the time uh, you talked with us, John, and uh, and hope you have a great fall. Well, I appreciate that very much. Thank you. Uh, you know, like I said, if the people want to friend me or whatever, I'll even tell you what size. There's like my one thing we didn't put out was the little Cleos. I love the two fifth ounce. Okay. And. You know, I like to run the two fifth ounce and the KO wobblers. I like to run them in a half ounce, and I like to stay like little Cleos. I like to stay all in the same, same size. Yeah, set it, size. Yeah. You know, with the line counter, if something's working, you know, I know I go a hundred back or sixty back. You know, and some people may think that when you go in a river, you have to use a smaller spoon. You don't use the same spoon as you would use on the lake. Just let out less line. Very good. Very good. All right. Well, hey, we appreciate you talking, John, and uh, we'll be talking again. All right. Well, thank you very much. Yes. Thanks, John. Thanks for your time, buddy. You're welcome. We'll talk to you later. Well, well, Chris, that was that was good stuff John gave us. Uh, that's going to keep me from winterizing the boat uh, <laughs> until a little bit deeper into the year this year. We're definitely going to do that. Yeah, it's, it's it was cool when I went with him the couple times we went. We always got into fish. Um, so it's it's not one of those things where you um, you have to learn how to use the streams too. If the streams are blown out, I noticed that's John's looking for that little bit of advantage there because he'll, he'll fish the mud line. That's too if it's too muddy, he'll get out outside along the break wall or something like that. But it is really a unique technique. And as I mentioned in the interview, I, I seriously believe this could be he could do this anywhere along the Great Lakes, not just in Lake Erie. I'm sure you could use it in Lake Michigan, Lake Huron, all of them. Uh, there's opportunities out there that uh, people are not taking advantage of. And he's figured out a unique way of doing it. And it's simple. Um, it's a lot of fun. And I know, like you said, we're going to be definitely trying that this year, especially when I can't get out either bow hunting or the streams are blown out. We're going to try, try it in the boat. Well, it's it's a, just another option. You know, it's like you need options hunting, you need them fishing. Uh, and and this is an option probably a lot of steelheaders haven't really thought of, you know, if, if uh if you can't fish the stream, game over. Well, maybe not so much. That's a great point because I always felt that way. You know, yeah. I ended up doing something else. But uh, always an opportunity to learn something. Hey, I look forward to giving it a go. Well, that's it for today. Hope you enjoyed it. Till next time, get outdoors, do something in your 120, and we'll talk again. 120 Outdoors is a monthly podcast focusing on hunting and fishing opportunities within 120 miles of your residence. We will share stories and interview interesting people. Find us on social media and be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on any podcast app. Thank you.